We all have favorites. I have a favorite number. You have a favorite number? When I was going into high school, we got together with a group of guys that we were in church together, and we decided that we would all come up with our own favorite number. And the reason we're getting our favorite number is that we were going to take that number and we were going to put them on jerseys, and that would always be our number. And if we played on church softball league, that'd be the number we would wear. If we did uh, pick up football, two-hand touch football, that'd be the jersey. We play basketball together, that'd be the jersey, that'd be the number we had. They said, Wood, what's your number? I came up with 26. Why? I don't know. Uh, 26. I, I just liked it. So I saved it, and I had this shirt made when I was about in high school, okay? 26, and on the back, Danny. Yeah, okay. And we all did this. Mike Daniel was 22. That's the one I always remember. He had 22. Uh, Grant Mosley had a, had a number, and uh, I think it was 11 or something. But we had, we had our, our numbers. And, and then what we did, since we had a favorite number, we would look for things that related to our number. And I always had the trump card because there are 26 letters in the alphabet. And so I would always say, hey, alphabet's got 26 letters. I mean, I was fixated on this. I will drive, and I'll still do it today, and I will look at a license plate, and I will look at all the numbers on the license plate and try to add them, multiply them, subtract them, divide them, and see if I can come up with 26 on there. It just, it just happens. Now, things have happened in my life that I did not plan, but Janice and I got married on May 13th. 13 is half of 26. We brought Lauren home from the hospital on December 26th. Hello. So uh, we didn't plan it on there. But it was a favorite. It was a favorite number. Something we had fun with and we stuck with. And it stuck with me because I was in my 30s sitting in a seminary class taking my first class in Hebrew. And he stands up and he says, you need to know there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And I started to laugh because that's Mike Daniels number. I related it to this number. Favorite number, 26. But you know what? We've got favorite Bible verses. We did a poll in our church, and we asked you to send us in what is your favorite verse, and we were going to take the top 10 and preach in those verses. I also went and looked at Bible Gateway. That is the largest online Bible search engine that we have. And I looked at that, and I got their top 10 verses that have been uh, accessed over the past year. Then I went and looked at the YouVersion Bible app. Now, you probably know about the YouVersion Bible app, but the YouVersion Bible app has been downloaded 123 million times worldwide. And this past year, that app was accessed over a billion times, over a billion times. And so going to there, I took those top 10 lists, all the lists they had, put ours together, and it was amazing. There was so much that was consistent. And so the vast majority of the same verses they had are the verses that we had. And so we put together this top 10 list. And so the first verse that we will talk about is Philippians 4.13. Now here's the good news about that. Not because 13 is half of 26, okay? That's not it. However, the great thing about this is that it was one of the top verses that you recommended, and it is my favorite verse. 
It's, it's been my favorite verse for majority of my life. But not only that, but in the YouVersion Bible app, it is the YouVersion verse of the year in 2013. You say, well, what does that mean? That means that Philippians 4.13 has been bookmarked, highlighted, and shared more than any other verse in 2013. People have taken Philippians 4.13 and they have shared it with others. Some believe that a lot of the popularity of Philippians 4.13 came because of sports. You see it a lot in sports. Let me show you a picture over here that you may be familiar with over here of Tim Tebow. You've got Tim Tebow. He's got his eye black. He's done some different verses, but he did Philippians 4.13. For some of you that are into the UFC, you know, the ultimate fighting championship, there's a guy by the name of John Jones, light heavyweight champion, and he's got it tattooed on his right shoulder. Me, it's my favorite verse. I got it tattooed across my stomach. Let me show you. I got, no, yeah, just, just kidding you there. So there are people walking out of the service like, you know, the pastor's got Philippians 4 thing tattooed on his, on his stomach. But it, it's a verse that's caught up in popularity. And part of the reason it gets caught up in popularity is because there's some misconceptions to this verse. You know, a quick read of this verse says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. Man, I can do everything. It means I'll always win the game. It means that I'll get the promotion. I can do all things through Christ. It means that if I start this new business venture, it will be successful. It means that my marriage will be successful. It means that my kids will grow up perfect. It means that I'll get the money. I'll get the girl. Everything is great because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a misconception of this verse. And, and just to drive it home and to put it on a practical basis, let's say you've got two boys over here that play basketball, and they're on opposite teams. And this boy over here, his life verse is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then this boy over here, his life verse is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then they play against each other. Now, when they play against each other, one is going to win and one is going to what? Lose. Right. And so the one that wins, he's sitting in the car riding home, and what is he saying? Philippians 4.13, I knew it worked. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's why we won the game. But now the other car, he's riding home, and he says, sheesh, what about that verse? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That didn't work. Lost the game. In fact, I had a bad game. So if that verse doesn't work, what about the rest of the stuff that's here in this Bible? Does it work? And all of a sudden, you began to question. Anytime you see a verse, you need to always understand its context. And so if you have your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 4, I want to put this verse in context so that we can understand it and see the greatness and the richness of this verse. And when you walk out today, I think that this will probably be one of your favorites. That's my hope when you see the amazing promise that you have here. It's the book of Philippians. It is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that was located in a major Greece city called Philippi. Paul took a journey. He took three different journeys. And on his second journey, he planted a church in Philippi. Now, he is in Rome writing this letter. 
but he's not in luxury. He is imprisoned. And most believe that he is under house arrest, which means that he's in a house, but he is chained to a Roman soldier all day. He cannot leave the house. He cannot go out and preach. He he can't do all the things that he loves to do. He is there chained to a Roman soldier. And in prison, writing a letter to this church at Philippi, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, if that verse was translated like the illustrations I just gave you, the next thing you would see is him saying, I'm getting ready to whip this soldier right here. I'm going to take the chain, I'm going to break it, I'm going to take him down, take him under, and I'm escaping because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the way we think that verse is. It's not it at all. He is writing to this church, and he makes a statement. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So what is the context of that? It is coming to the close of this letter, and you, if you looked in verse 10 of chapter 4, he is thanking them that they have given him a financial gift. And so he's very thankful for this, and he says, hey, I appreciate the gift that you've given me. And then look what he says in verses 11 and 12. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I have learned in whatever situation to be content. Now, what is content? Content is a word that means satisfying. It means I am self-sufficient. It means to be independent of external circumstances. What that means is no matter what's happening on the outside, I'm content. I'm okay. I'm satisfied. I'm handling it. And he says... I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I've learned. It's a process. It takes time, but I've learned to do this. And then verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He says, I know all these things. And you see what it is. I know what it's like to be high. I know what it's like to be low. And you know what? I have got a secret here and uh, of how I've been able to do that. And he says, and I'm going to share it with you in verse 13, which is the U-verse verse of the year. Okay? And this is what he says. I can do all things through him or through Christ who strengthens me. Just look at that. I. That's a promise to you and me. You can read that verse just as Paul wrote that verse. I. Okay, repeat after me. I. I. Can do. Say, can do. I can do. That word can do, that Greek word can do, is a word that means to have the capacity. To have the capacity to have the power. I have the capacity. I have the power to do all things. I can do all things. Now, when we think all things, we cannot take that and say, oh, that means that, uh, you know, that I can, uh, you know, leap tall buildings and uh, be uh, uh, faster than a locomotive or whatever, all of those superhuman things. I can do all things means I can face all situations. I can face all situations. He's talking about being content. I've learned how to be content. How am I content? Well, this is how I'm, I'm content. I can do, I have the power, the capacity to face all situations, how? Through Christ 
who strengthens me. Through Christ who strengthens me. When it says through Christ, it means to pour into me, to infuse his power in me. I don't lose this. I, how can you be contented? He says, I can be contented because I can do, I have the capacity to do, to face all situations through the power of Christ that is infused in me, the power that's poured in me. And because that power is poured in me, I can face any situation. J.B. Phillips translation. I love it. It says this, I am ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives within me. Look at that translation. I am ready for anything. I am ready for anything. Now, how would you like to have that type of mindset to say, I'm ready for anything. I can handle it all through the strength of the one who lives within me. Paul says he can depend on Christ to give him strength in all situations, whether he has a lot or he has a little, whether he's being praised or whether he's being persecuted, whether he's full or whether he's famished, whether he's safe or whether he's suffering. No matter what the situation is, he says, I can face that situation because the power of Christ is infused in me. This is a man writing from prison who is awaiting his sentence, which will lead to his death. And he says, I've learned to be content. I can handle whatever the situation is. Paul is not saying that you just need to bow up with a bunch of internal fortitude and you can do anything. He's not saying that at all. He is saying that the key is Jesus Christ and his power that is poured into you. And with his strength, you can be content no matter the external circumstances. What that means is that the result is that if you did that, if you did that, the result of this is, you know what, you'd probably worry a lot less and you'd rejoice a lot more. You'd be a lot less irritable and a lot more optimistic. And you could rest in Christ and trust in his provisions and know that he will sustain you even when you go through human struggles. That no matter how difficult the situation is, amazingly, you can be content. And it's not because of internal fortitude. It is because the power of Christ. You say, well, Danny, that, that's just not natural. It's not. It's supernatural. And that's why you ex have to experience it to be able to really fully understand it. And you've got to walk through some tough valleys. And you've got to go through those times in life that just seem to keep knocking you down. And when they knock you down, you've got a choice of either staying down or do you look to God and say, I cannot do this on my own. And only by your power and strength is poured into me. And then all of a sudden, the power of Christ comes and infuses strength within you. And you're able to be content. The situation may not be changing. But yet there's something that happens to you to where you say, I can be sufficient. I can be content in the midst of all this because of what Christ has done for me. I go back to this jersey. I saved this jersey because it's got a lot of meaning, uh, great memories. This is also the jersey I had through high school. And I'm like every other high school student, and, and majority of them are in New York City right now. But I was like every one of you growing up in high school. And I went through my own struggles. I went through a lot of struggles. I struggled with my appearance. I was the shortest, skinniest kid in high school. And I mean, it stayed the way. I didn't grow till I went to college. 
I go back to a high school reunion and I had to introduce myself. Uh, I mean, I was short, I was skinny. And uh, when I went to high school, you went eighth grade through 12th grade. And you know, a ninth grader is a freshman. You know what an eighth grader is called? A sub freshman. Does it get any lower than that? <laughs> How is it? I'm a sub freshman. Yeah, I felt like a sub freshman. And sub freshmen, all they did was get beat up and put in lockers. And um, uh, that's back in those pre bullying days where you could do that stuff. And so they, <clears throat> you know, they, it was, I lived in fear. I mean, I lived in fear. And so I was, but I was going to try to do something that was, um, that was going to get me out of, and I was going to run for class senator. If you run for the class senator, you had to get 50 names on a sheet of paper of people to kind of like say, hey, you're a good guy, I'll vote for you. So you had to take a, a, a sheet of paper, and I took the sheet of paper, and I got my 50 names on there, and right before the deadline, I rushed into the principal's office, dropped it down there, and said, yes. And then I waited for the next couple days when they had the elections and they handed out the ballots and my name was not on there. So I went up to check as to why my name wasn't up there. And they said, you didn't turn in a sheet. I said, I did turn in a sheet. And then she looked around and she says, oh, is this your sheet? I said, yeah. She says, you didn't put your name on it. <laughs> we got 50 people to sign for no name. And so you're not going to win that election. That was tough. You know, my, I was dealing with some low self-esteem, and that didn't help me out. And then all of a sudden, in ninth grade, a very serious thing took place that hit me in the face that I'd never dealt with before. And that is, a guy in our student group, who's a couple years older than me, was dating a girl, and she committed suicide. I had never experienced anyone that had ever taken their life. And it rocked me, and it rocked our student group to find out that his girlfriend had taken her own life. And so I'm dealing with that. And then as I'm going through the rest of my years, I'm dealing with this just low self-esteem. I can still picture me sitting in the den with my mom and my dad and my sister talking about this. And they're trying to quiz me as to why you feel so low about yourself. And, and I, I didn't know. I don't know how to explain it. I did not know how to explain it. I said, but I just, I, I just... I'm just struggling, you know, feeling good about myself. But what is amazing is that before I went into high school, I was at a conference and someone shared Philippians 4.13. And it kind of resonated with me. So I held on to that verse. And I held on to that verse all through, all through high school. And I made it through high school. And as I made it through high school, it wasn't because of my strength, but it was the strength of of this verse because Philippians 4.13 was a reality to me. Jesus Christ was the source of my strength to face all my situations. And where others who would have felt the way I felt, they would have chosen to rebel against their parents, they would have chosen to rebel against authority. Some would have chosen to get involved in premarital sex. Some would have turned to alcohol. Some would have turned to drugs. I didn't turn to any of that. And I was able to maintain a pure walk all the way through my adolescence in high school because I leaned on Christ in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. I can face all situations through Christ who gives me strength. I'm 43 years removed from high school, and that verse still resonates with me. 
because I'm still doing like what Paul says, and I'm, I'm learned. I am learning. He has learned, but I am learning to be content. And there's some tough roads. There's some blows to the gut. There hurts along the way. Every one of us experienced them. But in the midst of all that, I keep coming back to the promise of Philippians 4.13. And I'm saying, God, I want to be content even in the midst of these circumstances. And I know the only way that I can do that is to receive that infusion of power of Jesus Christ who gives me strength. And he has done that through school and he's done it through the other 43 years. You know, the reason that we can rely on the strength of Christ is because of his strength. He demonstrated his strength when he went to the cross to die for us. If you know the the story of the last hours as Jesus was being arrested, he had spent time with his disciples and he had a meal with his disciples. And then when they went to pray, and after they prayed, it says that the soldiers came and they were coming to arrest him. And when they were getting ready to arrest him, Peter takes out a sword. He's getting ready to defend him. And Jesus looks to Peter and says, Peter, put down your sword. He said, if I wanted to, I could appeal to my father and he would at once send 12 legions of angels. A legion is 6,000 soldiers. I could say the word and 72,000 angels would come here and they would make mincemeat of this little arresting party right here. I have the authority to do that. But let me tell you what my strength is. My strength is I'm not calling him because I'm going to walk the cross road and I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to suffer the humility and the shame and the pain and I'm going to take on the sins of the world because I love you. That's the strength he has. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And you see the resurrection power strength that he has. And it is that same strength that he says, I will infuse you with that power and that strength so you can overcome whatever the situation is. And you can face life's situations. And so this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to remember what he did by celebrating the Lord's Supper. And we're going to participate in this Lord's Supper. On the night of his arrest... He was with his disciples and he took this meal and he shows some of the elements from the meal and gave them a new significance. And as he gave them this new significance, he says, every time you partake of this meal, I want you to always be thinking of this. And so at this time, I want to ask our uh, ushers uh, if they would come and they would prepare uh, for the elements. And as our ushers are preparing for the elements, let me, uh, let me talk to you for just a moment as to who can partake of, uh, of the Lord's Supper. And uh, for us, it is anyone who is a believer in Christ who's accepted Christ as Savior, uh, they can partake in the Lord's Supper. So if you're not even a member of our church, but he said, hey, you know, I'm a believer, I'm part of God's family, we would love you to partake of this. But if you're here today and, and you're saying, you know, Danny, all these things you've talked about, about the power of Christ, I've never experienced that. I've, I've never made that decision 
I've never had, a, had that life change decision, then what I would ask you to do is that when the plate is passed, you just pass on and, and, don't, uh, and don't pick up any of the, of the cup on there. And just use this time to be thinking and, and even praying to the God of heaven, to the God of our son Jesus Christ, and, and begin to think about what we've talked about and let him begin to draw you to himself. And for all of us as members, we use this time as a time of reflection and a, and a time of prayer. And so in just a moment, as we pass the elements, you just hold on to them. Logan's going to sing, and after Logan finishes, I'll give you some instructions, and we'll partake of the Lord's Supper. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you during this moment that we can take this time to be thankful for the strength that you showed and to be thankful for the sacrifice, the price that was paid for our sins. May we do this with humble hearts and grateful spirits, giving you praise and honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.